Hi again and welcome to Rebecca Wendy from the Womb Of. Now last week I was talking about my story and I started it. I probably didn't even get halfway through it but we'll get on to the second part probably next time. This time I want to first introduce myself. My name is Re Rebecca Wendy and I'm the, from the Womb Of Wendy Elizabeth. Now the reason I introduce myself that way is because I was going to use my last name, even my maiden name, but that comes from my father. And so I thought maybe I'll use, maybe I'll introduce myself with my mother's maiden name. But then I realized that comes from her dad. And the more I looked back, the more I went back in history, there is no name from our recent history that we can use that isn't the father's name. So we come from the womb of, and we come from the womb of our mothers, and our mothers for, for went, for goad, for, for went their last name um, in the aspect of taking on their husband's last name. And they took on the idea that they needed to become part of their husband's family or the, the, the male family to be uh, accepted in society. And that was the way it was. We can't blame women for that because they wouldn't have been accepted otherwise, especially in Western society, if they didn't do that. So this was essential to them just as survival. But it means they had to release who they were to join on to who he is and who his family was. And that, I, I see it, it kind of has some benefits to it. I get that because the man is stronger and in most cases, um, and he has, uh, you know, muscular strength when I say strength, not, not strength of integrity or, or things like that, the muscular strength. And there is this idea that a man protects um, be because of his, his masculine strength. But the problem is that, that the fact that a woman was supposed to give up herself to be part of her husband's family means she had to give up her connection. It's not, co it's not exactly correct, but her connection with her mother's side of the family, which is why I reference that I am from the womb of my mother's name, but I can only use her first and second name. I cannot use her surname. I cannot use her last name in any way because her last name, whether it's her married name, her maiden name, whether it's her mother's maiden name, her grandmother's maiden name, her great-great-grandmother's maiden name, they're all the names of their fathers or husbands. And so... There is no name that goes on to the end of that that signifies the woman, unless you're in a society that hands it down through the woman, which we aren't in the West. We're in a society where you hand the name down majority of the time through the the last name of the man. And even if today, like there are, there is more of a swing of of taking on the woman's last name, but the woman's last name is still the last name of her father not the last name of her mother, not the name that represents her mother. And I've been doing a lot of consideration when it comes to the West and the way that this, you know, I said last week that I really like the idea of the matriarchy. I just want you to be, uh, I want to explain this a little bit more. Uh, and I'm giving an opinion because opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, so I'm giving mine. Um, Welcome to my asshole. Uh, um, there, uh, what it, what I, the, the, there are people out there who are horrible women. We all know women that, that are horrible. We all know women that, um, um, it just, they're not good to be around. They, they're one of those women that you just go, no. I, I would say in my terminology, I would say that, you know, she's a nasty piece of work. There are women like that. And to think that women like that 
if someone like that in a matriarchal society was in power or if there are multiple women like that in power, that that would be a good thing because that wouldn't. That would be no better than what we've got because the the domination, even by women, uh, when they're uh, of that caliber of women, it's still not a good thing. It's still not that uplifting community aspect. And I'm not against men. I think men have their purpose. I think they have an extreme purpose. And so I was thinking about the, the tribal communities and and e- even later than that, things like um, ancient Greece. So I'll go to the tribal communities. Often in the tribal communities, there was a chieftain and he was always a male and he looked after the um, or his family first, but he also looked after the army and the warriors and things like that. And he was seen as the head. And you see this in a lot of societies, that there's the chieftain, the things like that. But if you actually look at it, often the chieftain, when he didn't know whether he should go to war, when he didn't know what he needed to do, he would go to the wise woman. The wise woman was either the healer or the shaman or whatever she was in that tribe, he would go to her, which meant... He didn't make a move because he didn't know what to do it. Uh, or he wanted her blessing or wanted to say, yes, that's what you needed to do. He went to her, which meant she was in charge. He was the face of what was in charge, but she was in charge because he didn't make a move until he went to her. Now you look at ancient Greece. Now, if you, anything into ancient Greek mythology, I am, I love mythology. You look into it, you, that's where we learned the patriarchy really started. You know, in ancient Greece, Zeus become, you know, he's the, the, the king of the gods, the head of the gods, there's the council of gods, and, you know, the patriarchy really started. And it started because um, Athena and Zeus, was it Athena and Zeus? Athena and Poseidon. Athena and Poseidon were fighting over Athens. Who should be the, the patron god of Athens? And so they had a competition. They were going to have a war, and Zeus put a stop to it and said, you can have a competition. And Poseidon gave them a fountain of seawater, which meant they would do well in fishing and warring at sea and things like that. And um, Athena gave them an olive branch of food, an olive tree. And the... Athene, um, the, the Aten, uh, Athens at the time, I think it's called Athena or whatever it was. Um, they, they picked Athena. Now there was the idea that if you look into it, all the men picked, um, all the men picked Poseidon and all the women picked Athena, but there were slightly more women than men. Therefore, Athena won. Now, that wasn't to say that, that, that that's how it happened. But whatever it is, Athena won. Poseidon was furious. And he was going to destroy Athens. He brought out a huge flood. And Zeus said, you can't destroy Athens, but you can you can attack all the women. in. You, you can have a go at all the women in Athens. And the women will then be nothing. And the, the line was passed down from mother to daughter at that point. It, they always use the mother's name. I am the daughter of uh, their mother's name. Uh, not the last name, but their mother's name. And and that that's how it passed down. And that got completely removed. They got their the, their ability to vote was, was removed. Their ability to have um, effect in the society was removed. Now, this is the mythology. However, that may be what they're telling us, but there is a lot missing in that. Now, if you look into any of the oracles, if you look into whether it's the oracle of Dione, which is uh, in one of the islands, I can't remember it, and then you've got, obviously, the um, Oracle of Delphi. And then you've got things like the the mysteries of Eleusis and what they dealt with the, um, Demeter and Persephone, which is hugely interesting. Um, Demeter was, she has so much power and she's been regulated to just, she was more than the god of farming while she was huge. But so is Persephone. Um, anyway, so the... 
the idea that um, um, that these uh, the idea that um, these men were in control these men didn't make a single move without consulting the oracle the oracle was i know they uh, recently they've oh well the, the mythology says that um originally it was a maiden it was it was a, a young virgin and it become an old an older woman from my research it was always an older woman it was always a married woman a mother it was always someone that was old enough to experience not only life but childbirth and um, been through the ups and downs and often she was older and she had priestesses um, they say later they brought in a priest to sort of interpret but if they did that that was more of a I, I wonder whether that was more of a as the romanization really took over and um, Western Greece because Western Greece was the only one to survive the um, the fall of Greece the fall of that that ancient empire whether they took on that patriarchal aspect to it because there was never men in there before that um, the the priestesses the kings but kings from all over the world I mean it wasn't just the Greek kings it was it was it was from other places they would fly in to talk to the Oracle of Delphi. Now, that's not also to to dismiss the Oracle of Dione, which is supposed to be the Oracle of Zeus. But there's more to it than that. I haven't really found out the depths of that that Oracle yet. Um, again, it was a woman. Um, it was Dione, and she had priestesses, and that was meant to be in relation to the doves and. Um, um, they would say that they would sit in the doves would sit in the oak trees and they would make their calls and the Dione would interpret or the priestesses in in her name or would interpret the dove calls. It was always the woman, and often people didn't go anywhere until they'd um, consulted these women, which meant these men weren't as in charge as they thought. And then you've got people like Alexander the Great who come and saw the Oracle of Delphi. And she didn't want to see him. She didn't want to do a reading for him. She didn't want to at all. She dismissed him. Now, obviously, there was something about him that she didn't appreciate or like or felt that there was any need for. Or maybe she'd been warned about him by the, you know, her intuition or whatever it is. That she didn't want to read to him, uh, for him at all. And when she dismissed him and said, come back tomorrow, he grabbed her by the hair and dragged her to to um, be slaughtered outside. And as he was dragging her through the temple, she yelled at, you know, thou shalt be unbeatable in war. I said that thou shalt, that's very old English. Um, yeah, that, that he'd be unbeatable in war and he just said, well, that's better and dropped her. Um, and he took that as, as an actual oracle reading. Well, obviously that wasn't because she's being dragged out to be slaughtered. She's not um, uh, channeling anything other than fear at this point. Um, and because she's she's only channeling fear, it, that, that was just something that she blurted out that had nothing to do with any kind of um, channel of anything, whether they did or not, or they just worked on the intuition or, you know, that's why the women were always oracles. The women were always oracle. The oracles were always women, I should say, because the women were naturally more intuitive. Now, there are those women that aren't, but there's something that's blocking that. Women are naturally intuitive. We naturally have as, uh, um, attachments or we have connection with, uh, whether you call intuition spiritual or whether you call it cosmic, or whether you call it God, or whether you call it universal energy, whatever you call it, we have a connection with something beyond ourselves that is innate. We, it's something that women hold that men don't hold. And we hold that, and I think it relates personally 
again, it's an opinion, personally it relates to the womb. We create life within our womb and we hold an intuition. We have a natural intuition about ourselves, about our, our babies. We can feel, sometimes we can feel and communicate and, you know, connect with our babies whether in the womb before they're even brought into this world that we see them physically because they are within us and part of us that we are in that connection so women have an innate ability to connect with the the unseen this is why oracles were always women always and the first you know the healer woman that the old woman that was sort of away from the rest of the tribe because she was a little bit kooky um, she was always the, the healer woman. She was always the one that people went to for advice, not only health related, but but what do I do now? She was the therapist. She was the, the one that people went to. And so this, this is why the, these men say that they're in charge, but they always went to the woman for the what do I do now? And then you have things like the mysteries of Eleusis. The mysteries of Eleusis are incredible because what we're told later on is actually not what happened first. The mysteries of Eleusis were um, the, the the sacred hidden mysteries of what went on, and they were they were like a week long celebration that happened sometimes once a year, sometimes once every year and a half, where the people come from all over to connect with the gods. And they said through this week-long demonstration or whatever it was, how they got um, hyped up, and however that is, I have read a lot into that, but we won't go into that right now. Um, uh, they they would connect with the the gods, and they would have a um, they would understand what comes after, and they would know that they were eternal and something would change within them that would make a huge difference now in the mysteries of Eleusis the mysteries of Eleusis come about by the fact that Demeter um, when Persephone had been kidnapped by Hades um, and um, Demeter had been looking for her and she'd stopped in Eleusis and the king and queen there had um, um, offered her to stay and said that she wanted a, you know, do you want wine? And she didn't like the idea of wine. She wanted a drink of barley, which is beer. It was fermented beer, fermented barley or fermented wheat, I think. And it was basically the, the first beer, but it was made very peculiarly. And that drink was supposed to have connected the because she blessed the, both the king and queen at the time, or whoever they were, or whatever royalty they were, and she she blessed them at the time, and she gave them this drink, which was meant to connect them with the gods. The Mysteries of Eleusis was all about connecting with Demeter, and through Demeter, when, when Demeter rescued Persephone, or when the, the deal was made, Persephone come back, back up at Eleusis and so the mysteries of Eleusis was about connecting Demeter and Persephone and what's amazing is for the first the, the thing went on for a thousand years but for the first at least half you know hundreds of years only women were allowed the the wheat was tended by women women made the trek from Athens, which was about a, I think they said a 90 minute walk, where they carried other things to be put, fruits and nuts that were like the first fruits of the season or, you know, the harvest to be put in this drink, this huge um, vat that they made of this drink that would connect them with the gods. And the women would carry it and they would have a procession where they danced and sung and, you know, they did a whole bunch of things to really sort of ramp themselves up when they got to Eleusis they would spend a week connecting with the gods now women were the only ones allowed women were the only ones that were allowed the priestesses were the only ones that were allowed to deal with the ingredients and make the drink and it was blessed by women 
this was so important. Only women were allowed. Now, after a certain amount of time, the the women that were coming back from these um, Eleusis mysteries were were changed. They were different, and the men wanted to know what was going on. And some of the greatest men would come, and they would badger them priestesses and things like that and can you know can we be apart and it was no all the time it was no and then at one stage I can't remember who the first one was there was a man allowed in and that allowed certain men in certain men privileged to partake of this um, special mysteries that are looses and then the men started to come in and then it started to be a, both a, a male and female thing. Um, and and then they seemed to lose their way a little bit. And so they set up a priest that was supposed to bless the kukion, which is what they called the drink, um, which was completely wrong because the priest had no power. The woman, the priestesses had the power. Now, I know that before the priests come in, um, Marcus Aurelius, which was a Roman emperor, I can't remember the years that he ruled, but he was meant to be a great emperor, not one of these tyrannical dudes, though I think all emperors were tyrannical to a point, but he was meant to be better. He meant to follow Nero, which was the worst uh, emperor to have ever lived. Um, and Marcus Aurelius was followed him and apparently was a lot better. And um, some barbarians that had attacked Eleusis and they'd burnt the temple, they did these um, the mysteries at to the ground. And Marcus Aurelius um, came in and because he'd been part of the the, the temple, uh, part of the the um, mysteries at some point. He come in and he paid for the temple to be rebuilt, but rebuilt stronger than it had ever been before. And he was the only man that was brought into the sacred room that, uh, at that point, where they mixed the kuki on. Um, and because he helped the temple be built, and they put a statue of him out the front, and the statue of him had a um. A breastplate that had um, the symbol of Medusa that come out the front because the symbol of Medusa though we see it as uh, Medusa is a horrible thing it was a sense of um, protection which is why Athena's shield also had the you know the, the Aegis also had the Medusa in it um, and so this was this was vitally important for um, for for the people and so Marcus Aurelius realized just he knew how important these mysteries were for people he knew that that these needed to continue and so he paid for everything I mean, ridiculous for everything to be restored and it was restored the thing is not long after that the Roman Empire come in you know Greece fell and the Roman Empire come in and the Roman Empire bashed in the shield of um, the, the breastplate that um, held the, the picture of the, the, the image of Medusa and they carved a cross in where his heart was pretty much. It's still into Marcus Aurelius but they put the, the symbol of the cross in it instead and they destroyed the temple um, because the temple one not only was um, heretical because it was run by women and that could not happen it was also the mysteries that gave power to people and it was not through the idea of the church and it was not through the idea of the um, um, uh, the the priests and the patriarchal system that the romans brought in and therefore it, w it was it was um it was destroyed and what was put in its place was the most weak ass thing and you know women still bought they still did the trip that and they still do it today but it's under the um, an orthodox religion in um 
in Greece, where they make the same procession. They bring first fruits. They mix a, the women still mix a mixture, which is just a wine. It's not a, 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 the first fruits are like ties and they go into a separate place. They don't go into the mix, which it did before. Um, and they, they have this wine, which is just, excuse me, which is just wine. It's nothing else but wine. And it's, it's plain and simple and it's got no connecting power to it. And then they give it to a priest who gave some weak ass prayer over it. And then the priest drinks it and nobody else. The idea of the, 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 the mysteries of Eleusis, not only did they make this kukion, but everybody partook of it. Everybody that got there partook of it. And now the idea that this priest is the only one that gets to, to you know, partake of what was the original understanding of eternal life, the, 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 that, that just seems ridiculous. The thing is with Eleusis, Eleusis becomes so elusive, which is where we get the word, that only those of the wealthiest people could then go into it. And you were, you were, you had to sign something. You had to autograph something that you were going to, um, not, not say anything about what happened, um, at the, at Eleusis on pain of death. And so it was very, very, um, secretive. And it was said then in the mysteries that Demeter actually got sick of um, what she gave willingly, kept so secret that she sent Trig, what is his name? Ah, oh, I had it right there. The guy who in the flew around with the serpents in the chariot, Trigger, ah, oh, Tritholomus, oh, I can't remember his name. Um sent him out they sent him out to it says in the mysteries to spread the idea of farming through the whole world but when you actually go looking around the world the idea of farming people were already farming and it said that they actually were spreading the secrets of Eleusis. Demeter was using um, uh, you know this Triptolemus, Triptolemus, to um, to spread the, the the mysteries, to give it to other women, to give it to the women that they could take it home and make it in their kitchens. This was uh, something to give it to the whole world. This wasn't something that was meant to be just be so elusive that only Eleusis had it. It was meant to be for all women, not men women that's what's amazing about this this was the the idea that eternal life originally originally according to greek mythology eternal life was given to women first not men and then but they say that greek was our first you know that's where the patriarchy started but eleusis the mysteries of eleusis was you know it was happening at the same time the mysteries of Eleusis was was I think it happened after it was supposed um you know the fall of women in Greece and whether that was uh, a reaction of the fall of women in Greece that 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 the idea of whoever Demeter was or you know the the idea of it that this these mysteries were for women to get women to gain their power, the, the, to connect with the gods, because they knew the idea is that women majoritively would take that information that they learned from connecting with the spiritual realm and they would use it in a way that was so different to men. They would use it in a way that would not only benefit them personally, but would benefit their families and society at large. Because that's what a woman does general i'm generalizing here like i said there are those women that are horrid but gen women generally at large not only benefit themselves they benefit their society as a whole because 
what they bring is not only just for themselves, it's for their families and it's for the people around them. They're not just wanting to to, to lift themselves up to, and to become better themselves. They want the people around them to be just as benefited from it. And so the idea was that if you give this information, this eternal life, the information that come from this source that was universal and you gave it to women, the women would dispute it to everyone so that everyone could benefit, so that everyone could, could, um, uh, it would benefit all those around them. Now, Elisa started off as that. The mysteries of Eleusis started off that all women could come. All women were invited. And then it become more as, oh, no, no, this is, this is, we need to keep this to ourselves. So it's, again, and that wasn't a man thing. That was a woman thing, though it did change after the men were allowed in. It become way more secretive when the men become in. And they were the ones that started to say, you have to only allow the very wealthy in those that have status and and nobility and things like that they were the only people and you couldn't let any you know we didn't want the people just down the street come in that would be horrific it means everybody would have eternal life and we can't have that um but the idea of women is that women could take what they've learned and take it back to their families and their communities and utilize that information given them to them to benefit everyone. And the amazing thing about what we know of the mysteries of Eleusis is that the mysteries would would do some kind of um, um, story, um, uh, some kind of reenactment of um, Demeter and Persephone. So they would first meet um, a figure that's meant to represent Demeter and then the, the the figure that was meant to represent Demeter would take them to um, Persephone. They would take them deeper into the temple and they'd meet Persephone and Persephone was pregnant and Persephone was with child and, and that idea of that reenactment would be that part of the reenactment is not only was the Persephone with child that part of the reenactment is that she gave birth she gave birth to the the being that was uh, meant to to have this information that was part of that not only Persephone but that birth process, that process of bringing a new life into the world, which was meant to be reenacted. They don't know whether there was a woman that was actually a priestess that was actually pregnant and gave birth at the the um in the the temple in the mysteries, or whether it was just a reenactment. But people were so um, warped on their you know this this kooky on, they couldn't tell the difference. Um, and the idea that this birth now now obviously the mysteries um, I'm getting a bit caught up in this but because it's a subject I really like um, the mystery stated that it was either um, a, a baby was a, a woman a girl a, a baby girl was born or it was a boy and if it was a boy then it was said there to be Dionysus but in other mysteries they say that Dionysus was already living um, you know, he's a god, but he was a demigod before that. But the idea that Dionysus was a was a was a god, and he was the god of wine, which is why the mysteries went from beer to wine. Because beer is Demeter's drink; she doesn't like the drink of wine. But after you know, the idea was that, that through the birth of of uh, through Persephone come De, um, Dionysus, which is not how the myths say, because they say they come through. Um, Sione, I think, is, no, Semene, Semene is where um, Dionysus has said that the myth comes through. I don't know whether that's meant to be the same person, you, you know, Semene, and it's another representation of, because everything's been mixed up, or it's a completely different person. I don't know. All as I, I know is that, that what we know so far is that Whoever it was that was um, born. Now, the the girl, if it was a baby girl, that girl held such power 
that we don't know much about her. We know more that if it was a boy, it was most probably the Dionysus that was meant to spread this information to everybody um, through a different medium instead of beer. It was wine. Um, and But if it was a girl, her we don't know much about what... She was still meant to spread it to women. She was meant to bring it to everybody's households. Now... That's what Triptolemus ended up, what, according to the mythology, ended up doing. Now, this is all mythology. I get that. Um, what I find interesting is that the, the priestesses were in charge. And nobody made any movement. Nobody made any action to um, do anything. No men made any war, made any big decisions even for their country without consulting the woman excuse me again um that they just didn't do it because they knew that the woman were the the, the oracles the people the, the wise woman the shaman they're connected with an energy that the men are not connected with now in the western society that we know of we often don't have that we'll, that we're aware of. We're not seeing our governments go to some oracle to figure out what the hell we do. We don't know whether they're doing that or not. But it's certainly not a thing that that you know everyone knew about the oracle of Delphi. Everyone knew that this was something that was done, but um, we uh, we don't see that in our society. And that doesn't mean that you don't have people going to people but you also see that the the majority of psychics whether you believe in psychics or not but the majority of people that say they have a connection with the universal are women because we have this innate connection with something that is not tangible in itself and it's there because a woman's intuition especially a mother's and i'm saying especially a mother all women have intuition but a mother's intuition a mother's intuition that something is wrong. The idea, like this is why I also find the idea of co-sleeping with your baby um, ridiculous. The, the 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 studies in the West that say co-sleeping with your baby is dangerous are based on women that are drugged or have had alcohol or are on some kind of medication or that are not sleeping in their beds. So they fell asleep on the couch or in a chair where they're all crumpled up. And that's when something has happened to the baby. But you, if, if any mothers are listening, if you open, like, if you've had a baby, any noise that that baby makes, you are awake to. You could be laying in bed and they'll make a small cough sound. And you are without doubt wide a flipping wake. You know when they move they're wrapped in all their little things and they make any sound at all. The smallest of sound, the, the uh, uh, larger than normal intake of breath, and it might be only the slightest larger intake of breath, you're awake. You know every different sound that they make, that you have a connection with that little one that is just so in ground. You, your, your partner doesn't have that. Your... Um, the people around you don't have that. You have this ability that if they even wriggle, and it's a wriggle that's not, you know, they're not laying beside you. They wriggle the wrong way. You're awake. You're not sleeping through this. You're not sleeping through any kind of choking movement. You're not because you have a new baby and there is an instinct in you that says this baby needs me at all time. And if they move or make a sound that may be just the slightest bit irregular, uh, they even wriggle the wrong way. You're awake because your mind says, I need to protect this baby. I need to be there for them. And even when you're asleep, there is something awake in you that is switched on. And it doesn't happen necessarily as they get older, not to the same extent, because you'll find that, you know, when they're actually sleeping through the night, um, even if they sleep in your bed, you'll find that you're able to sleep through those little tiny sounds and changes in in sound that they make they may be dreaming or they'll take a deep breath you know you watch them when they're they're awake you can sleep through those kind of things and they'll change position unless they're kicking you in the face of the legs or you know 
they've got their feet on top of you or they're laying over top of your head, which they do, um, you you don't necessarily wake up to that. But when they're little, when they're tiny little, there is no way you're not waking up to that stuff unless you're on some kind of medication because you wake up to everything. You wake up to every bloody sound, movement, anything because that's what that that's what that connection is. And that connection is so deep. So not only have we we had them in our wombs, we've had them inside our bodies. So the egg, like I said last time, the egg gives birth. So the, the, the ovary gives birth to the egg. And then it's fertilized somewhere along that track. And it comes down into your uterus, which is just like this amazing upside down chalice of just wonderfulness you know life grows there you have a placenta which is a life unto itself that grows and nurtures and looks after your baby inside your body you've got this connection with it even if you think you don't you have a connection with this baby um and then you give birth to it it has to come out through your body you have to go through the 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 experiences of giving birth to it and like I said last time, I'm not, I'm not against any other way of giving birth. I'm not against cesareans, but I think that they need to be, if they're done to protect mother and baby, do it in every aspect. But if they're done just to be a time saver for doctors, if they're done just because they're saying it might be too big, if they're done just, that's not, that's not the way that it should be done. That's more for the doctor's benefit, not the woman's benefit. And it's certainly not done for the baby's benefit because um, they've proven that babies that come through the birth canal and that have all the, the bacteria that are naturally in that birth canal actually triggers their immune system at a higher rate. Their, um, their flora and fauna in their stomach get activated by what they swallow, what they take in in that birth canal, that that actually signals to them that... Um, um, they need to start producing their own internal um, breaking down systems in their stomach that break down food. Um, and it also triggers the mother's body. Not only does that birth can birth change a mother, you know, you, you know, when you first, when you've had your first child, who you were before you had your baby, even when you were pregnant to, if you gave birth who you were afterwards, you are a different person because you feel different. You're, there's something that physiologically and psychologically changes you when you've done that. And so I, I found personally, and I've talked to a lot of women that have gone through the same thing, that their, their relationships with other people that haven't had kids, their, their friends that haven't had kids, oh, sorry, I, I do this whenever I talk. It's like a nervous thing. I get these these rumbles in my throat um uh, you talk with these women and there's a there's a disconnect like there was more than there was before you are different than you were before and they could meet you from one day to the next if you've had a really good birth and you've you've given birth and they can come in and they can meet you and you are different you can feel it there is a sense in there that you are different because you've now been through something that has physically and psychologically changed you. And you now have someone next to you, like this tiny little being that is so dependent on everything about you. And your whole world is them. And the you've got this connection. Now, mothers have a connection. One, one thing that, that I love about Demeter her name means the mother it doesn't mean a mother it means the mother the mother they she was the the representation of not only the woman figure but the mother figure the other day someone was having a conversation and someone said something about you know a patron to a business and the name, the word stuck in my head, patron, P-A, patron, that has to do with a man. So I looked it up and a patron is um, often a runner of a business or someone that goes into a business that helps it uh, function or, you know, 
I'm assuming it was it was more of a male thing, but you look up the same word, but with MA instead of PA, pay, uh, matron. It is an elderly woman or a woman old enough to be a mother. And it's always in representation to a woman, usually older, someone that is at least old enough or has been a mother. So we have the patron matron. Now we often have, you know, uh, a head of a, a group. It's called a, you know, like you've got a, I don't know, a boarding school. You often have the matron. The matron is usually an older woman and she's usually portrayed as a bit of an ass which she probably is, she's bitchy and she, they're usually portrayed as pretty horrible and I've never been to a boarding school so I cannot um, I cannot say whether that's accurate or not, it's just the portrayal of it. Um, but the idea of, of this matron, but it's always someone that's old enough to be a mother. And um, so I'm assuming a patron being the exact opposite would be very similar from the man, uh, the man point of view. So when someone, when you're talking about people that went into businesses or people that ran businesses like this, you would assume they would be male, um, men. Uh, if, if you utilize that terminology of the word, basically how it's written. Now, there's no indication into its etymology, whether that's patron doesn't, specify in its etymology that it's from the male i'm just making that idea that you have you know patriarch you have you have the pa words that are very much um male words and then you have the ma words that are very much female words regardless that they don't have that representation and i thought well if man is woman which i alluded to yes uh, last time um if man is woman being the fact that it's an M-A word, then the word for man should have been Pan. Now, Pan was a mythological uh, being. He was a satire. He was mad about sex, always always wanting sex, always, uh, you know, betrayed as half goat, half man with horns on his head and a constant erection. Um, that's a good representation of a man, I reckon. Um, but he was, when Pan was supposed to have died... He was then made into the representation of the devil. The devil being uh, uh, someone portrayed as a goat or a goat-like figure um, or a satire, um, half goat, half man, horns, um, usually with, depending on how you look at it, usually with some kind of erection, you know, two snakes as penises or two snakes, a kind of a caduceus kind of appearance in his genitalia. Um, and then if you look at the Egyptian idea of the ankh, the circle was the, the, the circle, the, the ankh is, if anyone doesn't know, it is a cross, but it has a, a circle on the top. And that, and that's the idea of the circle and the cross. And the the circle was to represent life, being the woman, and the cross was to represent death, being the man. Um, because there is the life and death aspect to everything. There is the good and evil aspect to everything, but good and evil is relative to the people. But life and death, it's very true. There's life and death in everything. And so the woman was life and the man was death. So if the idea that the woman is life and the man is the devil is, is just a, a symbolization of life and death, it doesn't necessarily mean evil other than what the religious aspect to it has put on it, but they've put on the fact that we're a matriarchy, yet their symbol of the devil is the symbol technically of Pan, which was a satire, and he was the god of nature, um, he was the god of wild things. He was the god of oh, wild places. He was the god of, 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 he, he was the god of, not the god of the earth, but the god of nature, but wild nature, the, the, the way that nature grows within itself. And that is a beautiful thing. That is a wonderful thing. And we absolutely need those. I mean, look at the forest, the rainforest, the places we have around the world. We need these places. 
these wild places, these places that have, um, they're just left to to be that you know not only the oxygen producers but the just these plate the beautiful places where things um, exist and we need we need these wild places we need them and that's what pan is is it's necessary pan as a you know the idea of a, a, the wild places around the earth the the, the forests the um, the you know the these whether they're wild places just as I always represented it was trees and things like that but wild places don't have to be trees they can be open snowfields I, I they can be deserts they're wild places they're places that people don't inhabit it they're, they're they're places that are just wild and that's the idea of Pan and to represent him if he's the representation of men. And he's also a satire, and he's also got an erection all the time. Um, the it makes sense, and and he's the representation of the cross, which is death, and the circle, the the the, the womb, is the woman is the representation of life. We need both, because even in birth there is life and death. The placenta dies. This thing that has given our life, our babies, life. It has not only held it within the its sack; it's got waters in there. It has, it has regulated everything. It's made sure it had enough food. You know, it's not just everything's pumped in there all the time. The placenta is the regulator. It is really the brain and life of that keeps this baby alive. And it dies at birth. It dies, and there is death and birth. There is birth and death in everything. There, there is. We need that. It's the idea that we need the male and the female. We need the female and the male. But the ankh isn't portrayed with the cross at the top and the circle at the bottom. It is portrayed with the circle at the top and the cross at the bottom. And that's the, the indication. And that is the symbol of life. The circle is at the top. The it's a tractor going past. Um, it's the life at the top. It's the womb. Now, whether you you say that as a symbol of procreation, you know the male and the female, the the crosses at the bottom. It might be penetrating the womb. You know. Um, whether it's that symbol symbology or it's just the symbology of hierarchy being the woman is at the top the man is at the bottom or life is at the top and death is at the bottom or it's just how whether you go heaven is at the top and hell is at the bottom there is god is at the top and satan is at the bottom it's it's no different. It's however you look at it, whatever your terminology is for it. It's no different. But it's representation of where it sits, you know. It, it's not by accident. And it's not that we need to negate or dismiss or get rid of or, you know. We don't need to subdue the man to the point that he has subdued us it's not a fight it's not it's not a you know i'll show you that i can do to you what you've done to me it's not like that and as women in general we're better than that and we know it because we can benefit societies we can benefit country we we can benefit so much but we need to have that willingness to benefit those around us and that's so easy for women to do but to assume that there's not women out there that are just like men that have that tyrannical aspect to them of course they do there are women out there that have that i think we all have a, a version of tyrannical aspect within us it's just what we do with that and women are we have we're just more we we like people more we have this idea that community is really important being out and talking to people and 
even if we're introverts, we still like that community. We still like being with friends and we still like having that chance to be out and about and 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 socializing and talking because we do that so well. This we really like that. That this is beneficial for us to do that. And I think that we can do this. I don't think that all the patriarchy is tyrannical. I believe that I don't believe that they have haven't subdued women. I was listening to something and they're saying, well, there's no proof that men have not been um, demonized uh, to the same extent as women. And when you look at men as a whole, not men as a, you know, you look at the, the just the countries and the people that rule, but men as a whole um, um, conglomerate, we can't tell we can't tell that, but men have definitely had a higher privilege. I, that's probably not the right word, but oh, it's not a word I like at the minute. Um, but they have had more opportunities than women. They have been able to have more status than women. And they have not had that aspect that we have had, that contorting of their bodies. You know, men don't necessarily come come into puberty and are suddenly commented on for their now their their sexualization you know girls pretty much as soon as they hit puberty as soon as their bodies start changing um, there's that sexualization and for me personally that's been really difficult because I, I can't stand it um I can't stand it now, let alone then. And it's got worse now that I've, I've sort of found more of, um, sort of come into myself a little more, be more open about this stuff. I'm definitely, um, find it even worse. And there was a show that was put on the other day and it was a, one of the very old, um, I say very old, it's not that old, but Charlie's Angels and I, the idea just made my skin crawl you know we're better than that we are so much better than that but that's the idea of we had to this wasn't made for women this was made for men all these things have been made for men and this is why i think the idea of man as pan is a, is, is a perfect one because it's a perfect indication of what they're like but that idea has taken over too much and now we need the idea that we need we need the the women and the the benefit of all the people around us we need we need those mysteries to be available to every woman we need to be connecting with those things that are beyond us and benefiting the people around us because of it and um yeah I, I just think that's so important, but I don't believe that men, I mean, I have sons and I would not ever say that they were less than, you know, that we just don't want them to rule. Um, definitely don't want my sons to rule. Um, but you've got some really gentle boys out there too. And that doesn't mean feminine. That just means gentle. I've got one one son who is full on and he, he will tease and torment and just full on but he's as gentle as and but not all people are like that and we seem to have this yeah not all women not all girls are like that either not all girls are gentle either and when i say gentle i don't mean feminine because i'm speaking from someone who wasn't um or and isn't i'm just saying gentle there are not like i said there are women out there who don't we want to benefit themselves but they will hurt people around them to do it but they're really rare 
there is way more women that will benefit all those people around them. And if we can get those women in positions that they can help the people around them, they can be in positions where they're allowed to make those decisions and they're, they're wanting to make those decisions, the whole of society will benefit. And that's what we need. We need the whole of society would benefit because the women are able to bring their knowledge and their wisdom and their connection that is beyond this tangible world and benefit those around them. And if it's just their immediate circle being their, you know, their, their immediate family and their friends, that might be enough to then make, you know, a shockwave, a roll-on effect. And if it's a larger portion of that, then that's even better. But if all women were given that opportunity, with all women could do that, that's huge. And that's what we want. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for my listening to my rambling. And um, I'll continue with the second part. Well, it's, there's probably going to be like five parts of the story, but the next part of the story next time. Have a great day. Bye.